2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: This is Seven News with Ann Sanders.
3: Good morning. The Prime Minister is preparing to unveil his plan to reboot the economy to help Australian workers through the pandemic. He'll be speaking at the Press Club in Canberra at 12.30 Eastern. We'll take you there live. First this morning, live to political reporter Olivia Leeming in Canberra. Olivia, good morning to you. Scott Morrison is considering major reform.
4: Yeah, to take the economy out of intensive care over the next three to five years. That is the Prime Minister's sales pitch, which he'll deliver in a major speech at the press club, determined to create a highly skilled workforce to drive that economic recovery. That, he says, will require an overhaul of skills training and the current TAFE model that he says has failed workers and employers, forcing the states, he says, to use the $1.5 billion they receive in federal funding each year more wisely to simplify the system and equip Australians with skills that businesses actually need. The push welcomed by unions, but they've warned the government needs to back it up with extra funding, arguing total spending on vocational education and training is at its lowest level in more than a decade.
3: We've seen TAFEs really decimated all over the country and a big drop in apprenticeship figures as well. We hope that there's more funding that's going to go into that sector as part of the stimulus. The Prime Minister will
4: also flag major reforms to industrial relations, taxes and deregulation to encourage businesses to invest and hire more staff. The biggest challenge, of course, for the government remains reducing that surging unemployment rate, especially once those job keeper wage subsidies end in September. And Anne will hear more details in the Prime Minister's speech broadcast live on 7 in one hour.
3: Thank you very much, Olivia. To breaking news this morning, Catholic Boys School Waverley College has shut in Sydney's east after a student returned a positive test to COVID-19. For more, Tom Saker joins us live. Good morning, Tom. It comes just one day after students return to full-time classroom learning in New South Wales.
5: Yeah, that's right and it certainly didn't take long. We can confirm that it was a year seven student here at Waverley College who tested positive for COVID-19. His parents informed the school uh, around nine o'clock this morning and then staff immediately put out the message to the rest of the parents to come and collect their children as soon as possible. Uh, Although there were some disturbing uh, pictures uh, on the streets of Waverley, we saw a number of children uh, go out into the public streets and wait for public buses and get onto public buses. That's despite Waverley organising a number of private buses to come and collect their their kids uh, this morning. But most of them, if not all of them, have now all left. And we are now trying to figure out how this child came into contact with the disease. And more importantly, if he was at school yesterday for the beginning of Term 1... of Term 2, sorry. uh, The Education Minister, Sarah Mitchell, did speak a short time ago about this. Let's take a quick listen to what she had to say.
6: We are living through a pandemic and there will be occasions from time to time when we do have a positive case that affects the school community. This is going to happen throughout the pandemic, but I think parents should know that we do have good systems in place. We've got good processes that can protect their children um, and it's something that we're going to have to live with.
5: Now, there is some good news regarding public transport for school students. Uh, Yesterday, uh, the uh, Transport Minister, Andrew Constance, reported a drop of 60 per cent uh, in students not using public transport so he says they are certainly heeding the warnings. He also spoke to the media just a moment ago let's take a quick listen to what he had to say.
7: Community's been magnificent af- over the last week, I mean if you look at the number of people that we're having to carry, that the urging of people to continue to work from home, the way in which, and, and Sarah and I couldn't be more proud in terms of the way in which the schools have worked with transport and the teams to make sure our littleies are safe
5: now, the minister has also flagged using CCTV at train stations to see where there are hot spots and see if that can help staff there, guide people through and spread them out more in certain peak times. Here at Waverley, uh, there is some more news that uh, we understand the junior campus has been completely unaffected and they're continuing school as normal. It is only the senior school that has been affected. They'll obviously have to give the school a thorough clean and many of those students will now have to get tested, Anne.
3: Tom Saker reporting from Waverley. Thank you very much, Tom. 400,000 students are returning to face-to-face teaching in Victoria today after nine weeks away from school. We're joined now by Laurel Irving in the newsroom. Good morning, Laurel. Plenty of celebrations there this morning.
8: Good morning Anne. A lot of very excited students and teachers after such a long time away from school to be returning today. Very colourful welcomes especially at primary schools right across the state today. Rainbows and flowers and streamers and balloons for uh, the little kids in particular. So preps grades 1 and 2 and the senior kids grades 11 and 12 are all going back today. In two weeks time we'll see the rest of the students from grades 3 to 10 return to school as well. School will be a little different. Parents and not allowed on site there'll be no big gatherings like assemblies there'll be no excursions or camps and uh, kids will have to take their own drink bottles so they're not sharing the same uh, water fountains and the education minister says he understands some parents will be anxious but this is not optional it is mandatory for kids to go back and he says that schools are generally safe and have been declared safe by the chief health officer and certainly most of the kids who went back today were pretty excited to be back
0: I'm quite excited to see all my friends but still stressed because we're getting back into having like assessments and everything. I'm quite excited just to see people have some social interaction definitely.
9: I've still been able to work. Teachers have been really uh, adaptive. They've been amazing throughout this whole experience.
8: Before this happened, we had a huge testing program of teachers. So 17,500 teachers were tested over the past couple of weeks. There's been just one positive result from that on Friday. A teacher from the or Downs Secondary College in Melbourne's North tested positive, but that teacher had not been at school for a while. So there's no exposure at the school, and that has reopened along with all the other schools today. Five new cases in Victoria today, three returned travellers, and one again at the Hammond Care aged care facility in Caulfield in Melbourne's east. Now, that's where there was another positive case last week. Again, similar conditions. There's a first positive result and then the subsequent tests have been negative. But uh, in this age of coronavirus, all such tests are treated as positive. That facility will remain
3: locked down now for two weeks. All right, Laurel Irving, live in Melbourne. Thank you very much, Laurel. A Brisbane father has been remanded in custody, accused of murdering his four-year-old daughter. First responders have been offered counselling, with police now attempting to determine how long the little girl had been dead before she was found. Bianca Stone has the heartbreaking details.
10: There is a teddy bear in the front window, a pram in the front yard. This family home on Bent Street at Cannon Hill remains a crime scene. It is directly across the road from a school. What police allege happened inside that home is horrific. At about 9.20 yesterday morning they discovered the body of a four-year-old child. A phone call to triple zero alerted authorities. Police and paramedics raced here but no ambulance crews were required. They were confronted by a horrific scene. The details too horrendous to broadcast. It's understood the little girl suffered from a medical condition. She may have been dead for some time. We understand she was found in her bed and police were will allege she was left to starve. Overnight, her 43-year-old father, Mark Dunn, was arrested and charged with murder, accused of killing the child he was supposed to protect.
3: Thanks, Bianca. Maritime authorities are making preparations to bring a stricken cargo ship into Port Brisbane tomorrow, where a delicate salvage operation will commence. The ship lost containers in rough seas and will now be assessed before it's able to continue its journey. Tamra Bowe has the details.
0: Well this tanker was loaded with precious cargo, it had left China and was originally headed for Melbourne but it only made it as far as the New South Wales coast. It was around 70 kilometers southeast of Sydney and it was early Sunday morning when it struck those rough seas that's when it began rocking and rolling in the water. This triggered our power outage on board. The engine failed and it may have only lasted a couple of minutes until they got it back up and running again but the damage was well and truly done. rocking and rolling in those big waves those uh, containers began slipping into the water around 40 were lost at sea another 70 were damaged but they are still hanging precariously off the side of that cargo ship it's then that it was turned around and sent here to the port of Brisbane where it was docked offshore while it waited for a spot to become available but of course once uh, the Maritime Safety Authority crews are able to get on board they will question the crews, and that will form part of the investigation but the final report into that investigation isn't expected to be released for another 18 months.
3: The big clean-up has begun in Western Australia after a once in a decade storm smashed wide areas of the coast including Perth. Brittany Hoskins is at Cottesloe Beach. Good morning Brittany. The storm has left a big damage bill in its wake. What's it like there now?
2: Good morning. Well, the storm may be over, but the cleanup has just begun. Here at WA's iconic Cottesloe Beach, the superstorm washed away tonnes of sand, the end result of an eight-metre swell brought on by the wild weather. WA's entire coastline has been hammered. South of Perth, part of a footpath collapsed into the sea, and further up along the coast, part of a car park caved in washed away by ferocious conditions. At its peak, more than 65,000 homes were without power. This morning, more than a 1,000 homes are still in darkness. The once-in-a-decade storm brought dangerous winds of up to 130 kilometres. Towers of sea containers were blown over, left teetering precariously in the weather. It destroyed properties. One grandfather's roof was peeled off, leaving the inside of his home at the mercy of the elements. He doesn't have insurance and has no idea how he will afford the cleanup. His home wasn't the only building torn apart. Strong winds and termite damage made short work of one shop's ageing facade. Roads became rivers, trees ripped from the ground. In the southwest, there wasn't much left of the Canal Rocks Bridge, an attraction that stood for decades. Emergency services were swamped with close to 600 calls for help, more than the total number of storm-related calls for the whole of 2019. Now, we are expecting more wet weather for the rest of the week, but we have seen the worst of it. The winters has dropped significantly here, and there are even surfers out in the water trying to catch a wave.
3: All and right, Brittany, some terrible scenes there. Thank you very much for updating us. Comedian Celeste Barber has spoken out over a court ruling which will see millions of dollars in bushfire fundraising kept in New South Wales. She had hoped that it would be distributed to other states as well. Samantha Brett has more.
6: Well, this is certainly an unprecedented amount that Celeste Barber raised, $51 million. She put the call out on her Facebook page at the height of the New South Wales bushfire crisis in January and she asked her fans for uh, $30,000 in donations. Her own family had been affected by the fires. She specifically stated, though, on her page that the money would be going to the New South Wales Rural Fire Service Trust. But as the money kept mounting, as the dollars figure kept rising. She told her fans that she would try to spread out the money to different states and to different charities. But yesterday, the New South Wales Supreme Court ruled that legally that money was only allowed to be used by the New South Wales Rural Fire Service. Here's some of what the judge had to say.
11: Despite the trustees wish to honour those intentions or hopes, the law provides principles that ensure a degree of certainty in the application of trust funds.
6: Celeste Barber has responded to this ruling saying that she is thankful for everything that the Rural Fire Service does. Money is going
0: to families who lost firefighters. Yes, it's going to injured firefighters as well. Um, It isn't going everywhere that we had kind of wanted it to, but
6: what it is doing is going to make such a difference. This has been a blessing for the Rural Fire Service, but also a very difficult task when it comes to allocating such a huge amount of money.
7: We're going to be very transparent. We're going to actually say exactly what every dollar has been spent on. There'll be no secrets, uh, and there'll be no administrative costs taken from this money. It's all going to go for exactly the purpose that was there for.
6: But the Rural Fire Service has assured everyone that the money will most definitely be put to good use.
3: A new survey shows consumer confidence is continuing to climb, despite the raft of challenges facing Australians and our economy. Finance Senator Gemma Acton joins me now. Good morning, Gemma. A surprisingly strong result.
12: Morning, Anne. Yes, this
3: is the eighth
12: week in a row where consumer confidence has risen, but do you remember it is coming off an extremely low base? We're still tracking around 18% long-term averages, and there's also only a very modest increase in sentiment over the past week. But with some more promising job news, as businesses very tentatively start to hire again and data indicate the worst of the job losses may have happened last month alongside the impact of government support kicking in confidence surrounding our future household finances has been improving this seems to have outweighed growing concern over rising global trade tensions and
3: last week's record low retail sales data so Gemma how's our share market open up this morning
12: well, and yesterday the ASX 200 hit 11 week highs, and today it's continued to march higher, up by 1.7% so far. Travel stocks were yesterday's winners on growing hopes that state borders will reopen before too long, as well as hints the tourism sector may be in line for additional government support later this year. They're doing well again today. Flight Center and WebJet both up around another 8 or 9% each, after jumping by 15% yesterday. Our currency is also holding its ground and is now well up its mid-March lows this morning, buying 65.7 US cents.
3: Anne. Gemma Acton reporting. Thank you very much, Gemma. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson's chief aide has dug his heels in, refusing to resign over claims he broke lockdown. Dominic Cummings insists he did nothing wrong. Hugh Whitfeld has more.
9: Dominic Cummings apologised for being late to this press conference, but that's all he apologised for. Extraordinary in itself that an unelected official was explaining why he should keep his job to the press and the nation sitting behind a table in the Prime Minister's back garden. Dominic Cummings saying he didn't break the lockdown because he had an excuse to drive hundreds of kilometres with his sick wife and his son to his parents' estate where they went into lockdown there. That as millions of Britons were being told simply by the government, including the Prime Minister, to quote, stay at home. Dominic Cummings says he had an excuse and that he needed childcare for his son from family members if both he and his wife fell ill. Bizarrely though, he did concede that he drove about half an hour to a nearby town to test his eyesight on public roads after it became, quote, weird. During his bout with coronavirus, he is hugely influential within the government, Dominic. Coming some newspapers yeah. here, describing him as a Svengali like figure, an evil manipulator of power, and it does appear he's convinced the Prime Minister he should keep his job.
5: I can understand that some people will argue that I should have stayed at my home in London throughout. I understand these views. I know the intense hardship and sacrifice that the entire country has had to go through. However, I respectfully disagree.
9: So, no apologies from Dominic Cummings, no regrets either. The regrets left to the Prime Minister.
1: Do I re- regret what, is, uh, what has happened? And yes, of, of course, I, 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 I do regret the confusion and the anger and the pain that people This is a country that's been going through the most tremendous difficulties and suffering. Some
9: behavioural scientists who advise the government, Tory MPs, even bishops within the Church of England, have warned this is going to make it so much harder for the government to enforce the lockdown that remains in place across Britain because people believe that there is one rule for those in power and one rule for everybody else. That, as the death toll across Britain, Approaches 37,000.
3: Thank you, Hugh. There are fears of a second wave of coronavirus infections in the United States as summer weather sees big crowds flocking to beaches. US correspondent Paul Caddock has more.
11: Good morning, Anne. It is the traditional start to summer here, and after weeks of being cooped up at home, Americans have been flocking to beaches, rivers, lakes, parks, pools, anywhere really that's open, even places that shouldn't be, like this Texas water park, defying the governor's orders. And there's been alarm at images of big crowds in some places, despite authorities' pleas for social distancing and mask wearing at this New York beach. Police ordered these students off the sand for being too close.
9: We were trying to follow the six feet apart guidelines. We're outside, blah, blah, blah. But then they came over and started yelling
0: at us.
11: Right now, 18 states are seeing the rate of new cases trending up, Arkansas reporting a second peak in cases, North Carolina its single biggest daily jump in new infections. It is Memorial Day, which is like America's Anzac Day, and today we've seen social distancing as President Donald Trump laid a wreath at Arlington National Cemetery. His Democrat rival Joe Biden in public for the first time since March to also lay a wreath. At Fort McHenry in Baltimore, the president compared the sacrifice of the fallen to those battling COVID-19.
1: We mourn alongside every single family that has lost loved ones, including the families of our great veterans.
11: Together, we will vanquish the virus and America will rise from this crisis to new and even greater heights. That visit happening against the wishes of the mayor of Baltimore, who said because of the city's stay-at-home orders and the trip being non-essential, the president should have stayed away. And
3: Thank you, Paul. Cafes, bars and restaurants have reopened in Madrid and Barcelona as Spain eases more lockdown restrictions. Locals are now allowed to meet in groups of up to 10 people either at home, in the park, or on terraces of bars and restaurants. Barcelona and Madrid accounted for more than half of Spain's COVID-19 deaths. Foreign tourists will be allowed to travel to Spain from July. Queen guitarist Brian May has revealed he was rushed to hospital this month suffering a heart attack. The 72-year-old says he was shocked to discover that he needed surgery.
1: They had to kind of put me out in the end because I was writhing about and pulling my tubes out because the pain was so bad in my leg. But when I came round,
3: It was as if nothing had happened. The guitarist received three stents and says he has returned to full health. Two people have been charged with money laundering over the supply of illegal drugs hidden in hot chili sauce bottles. Border authorities intercepted the 768 bottles of sriracha chili in 2019 that returned positive results for methamphetamines. It had an estimated street value of more than $300 million. Late last week, detectives arrested a 21-year-old man in Sydney and a 50-year-old man who was nearby. They seized more than half a million dollars worth of cash from a cooler bag hidden inside the boot of a car. Almost one year since the disappearance of Belgian tourist Theo Hayes in Byron Bay, his family has released an appeal for more information. Theo was last seen at the Cheeky Monkey's Bar at Byron Bay on the evening of May 31. A huge search failed to find any trace of him. His family are begging any witnesses to come forward or anyone with information that could shed a light on what happened. Police are hunting two thieves who robbed a disabled man at an ATM in Sydney CBD at the weekend. The 42-year-old victim who suffers from paraplegic cerebral palsy was helpless to stop the thugs who ripped his money out of his hand before making a run for it. Andrew Denny has more.
7: Well, this is nothing short of a heartless and opportunistic crime that happened here at the Haymarket branch of the ANZ Bank at the weekend. Just before midday on Sunday, security cameras inside the foyer recorded two men walking in, trying to pry open the doors to the bank before one slumps to the ground. Not long after, a 42-year-old man arrives. He is wheelchair-bound with cerebral palsy. He goes to the ATM to withdraw money, and that's when these thieves concoct a plan Whispering to each other, one stands guard outside while the other waits to make his move, snatching cash out of the man's hands when he finishes his transaction and then running off headed north along George Street. Now two people of Asian appearance then came to the victim's aid. Police want to speak with them as they believe they may have key information as witnesses. As for the thieves, the first man is Caucasian in appearance with a large build and red hair, wearing a black jacket and dark green pants. The second also Caucasian with a medium build and light brown short hair he was wearing a dark blue jacket and dark pants now the victim luckily wasn't injured but anyone who recognizes these men is asked to come forward and contact Crime
3: Stoppers South Australia is fast tracking its economic road out of lockdown easing restrictions from next week Elspeth Hussey joins us from Adelaide hello Elspeth up to 80 people will be allowed into restaurants clubs and cafes
13: Yeah, that's right, Anne. Provided they have enough space. So those 80 people need to be spread across separate rooms, a maximum of 20 in each space. So the big winners are larger pubs like this one that uh, has about six separate areas. Uh, From Monday, we can also now have a beer or a glass of wine without having to order food. That is a current requirement. Uh, But stand-up drinks at the bar are still banned. You must be seated. Uh, We can also expect to see floor markings for social distancing, even sneeze guards, and in some places, no shared food. Uh, Cinemas, beauty salons, sporting clubs and gyms will also come back to life a week ahead of schedule.
11: These changes will get people back to work. They'll get them to have uh, a meal or a drink with their mates at the pub. They'll get them back uh, playing uh, sport. They'll get uh, them back doing all the things that we've missed out on uh, during the last uh, 10 weeks. It's
0: an amazing change. Like, it's so positive. I think everyone can open things up, it's just almost crying. It's wonderful news. South Australia, let's have
1: a party.
13: Uh, Now, the Premier says he's been able to fast-track this stage two because of the promising results we've had here in SA. We're now up to 18 days in a row with zero new cases.
3: Well, that's a good record, Elspeth. Thank you very much. Nice to speak with you. As the death toll from coronavirus in Brazil continues to soar, the United States has banned travellers from the South American country. Brazil has recorded more than 360,000 cases of coronavirus, the highest in the world, behind the United States.
1: Soccer's World Cup was once played here. Now a global disease is treated here. At a field hospital next to Brazil's biggest stadium, one woman's heart has just stopped. She was brought back to life, but more than 50 have died here in two weeks. Another wing is ready to open, 200 patients waiting, ambulances arriving. Doctors have only one word for it. It's crazy, it's crazy. Now, President Trump has slapped a travel ban, barring any foreigner from entering the U.S. from Brazil starting late Tuesday. His ally, Brazil's president, joined anti-lockdown protesters as the death toll topped 20,000. He took off his mask, hugged children, and called for restrictions to end. Freedom, he said, above all else. Earlier, he was heckled. Killer, one woman shouted. In the tightly packed homes of Brazil's biggest slum, the virus is on a rampage, lockdown or not. This woman names four friends who have died. Amid this poverty, it's spreading faster in this country than anywhere.